This past month, we have looked at the secrets of love. At the beginning of the month, I told you that the, one of the secrets of love is that love is the call of the believer. We are called to love. On March 14th, on the 14th, I shared with you another secret of love, which is love is serving. Last week, I shared with you the secret that love is not offending. This morning, I'm going to share with you a secret about love that will take most of you this week to wrap your mind around it. The final secret of love that I want to share with you is this. Love is not devouring. It's consuming. I will say it again. Love is not devouring. It's consuming. And you're sitting there thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Some of you will understand this concept by the end of the message, and some of you will get it later on this week, and that's okay. But I want to share with you from Hebrews twelve twenty-eight through 29 It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Remember these verses today as I share with you the secret of love. It is not devouring. It's consuming. Let's pray. Amen. In order for you to understand what I'm trying to get at, we need to start in reverse order so that we're all on the same page here. So that we can understand the difference between devouring and consuming. I will use the world's view and our culturally accepted concepts and ideals and lies that we have bought about love. Cupid will start there. The cute little cherub that he is. He shoots us with his arrows. We look at the girl from across the room and BAM! We're shot. Right through the heart. And we are head over heels. Love at first sight. Down for the count. The whole nine yards. Then it happens. We begin to say dumb things. We say dumb things because we've been lied to all this time. And this is the problem. We have bought into the romantical, mythical love of the Cupid lie. Oh, spoiler alert. Cupid's love is a love that devours. But he's so cute with his little wings and his diaper and his little bow and arrow. Folks, those who have bought into Cupid's way of thinking, they believe this myth. They think that love is nothing more than a random, overwhelming, uncontrollable, sensual force. It's unfortunate. To a majority of our culture, the best image of love they have is Cupid. That's why shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette are such a big deal on TV. Those who believe the myth make make some of the following statements. We don't choose who we fall in love with. You have to say it like that, too. This thing is bigger than the both of us. One of my favorites. The heart wants what it wants. What does that even mean? This is what we believe about love, people. And we laugh because some of us in this room have bought into that myth. You believe it, too. But when you believe that, we end up allowing love to devour us instead of consume us. Let me explain it this way. Here's the problem. If Cupid's love is what we are choosing to base our relationships on, if that is a true concept of love, and we have this overwhelming force, and the heart wants what it wants, and it's uncontrollable, and if we don't choose who we fall in love with, and this thing is bigger than both of us, if those things are true, if that's true, if that's what love is, then no marriage is safe. Think about this. If Cupid's love is true, if all these statements I've just said are true, then today at lunch... Mitzi and Dylan and I, we go to lunch and we sit down and our waitress comes to take our order. And she happens to glance at me and she smiles. And she bats those eyelashes. It could happen. I'm going to talk to these guys over here. 
It wasn't even my wife that was giggling at that. It was somebody else. That was hurtful. If, if that happens, she, she looks at me, she smiles, she bats her eyelashes. I look deep into her eyes and uh, Cupid strikes us both with his arrow. This thing is bigger than the both of us. And I mean, after all, we don't choose who we fall in love with. And, and the heart wants what it wants. You following me here? If that's what love is, my marriage isn't safe. Hey, you come to think of it, what if, what if maybe, what if this happens? Maybe after lunch, I go to the bathroom and to wipe off whatever lunch I have on my shirt. That's, that's probably could happen. And while I'm there, my phone starts, starts to go off. Beep, beep, beep. It's like I get a text and it's from Mitzi. And it just simply says, stay there. I just met the manager of the restaurant and this thing is bigger than the both of us. The heart wants what it wants. I have to follow my heart. Hey, do you know what the Bible says about the heart? The Bible says it's wicked. It's not to be trusted. Seriously, the King James Version of the Bible, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you see the problem here? That's what happens when we buy into the myth of Cupid's love. That concept of love begins to devour us. Brothers and sisters, biblical love, it's an act of will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. This love, this, this biblical love, it's the one that lasts. It's stable. It's, it's something that stays no matter what. It's something that will serve as a foundation on which marriage can be built. Not this Greco myth of Cupid and his arrows. Listen to what I'm saying this morning. You cannot build a solid marriage on the myth of Cupid's love. You cannot build a solid marriage on the myth of the heart wants what it wants. It doesn't work that way. That's why we get people walking away from each other. That's why they say, we just fell out of love. What? We just fell out of love? I don't know about you. I have fallen out of many things. I, I got to thinking about it. I've fallen out of vehicles. I have fallen out of boats, which means I've also fell into a lake. I have I've slipped and fell. Once, uh, getting out of a carnival ride with Mitzi on one of our early dates, I, I slipped and, and I fell out of the ride. <laughs> no lie, ripped my pants from like the back of the leg up to the waistband. <laughs> and she still married me. That's love, people. That was not a case of the heart wants what it wants. That was her saying, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> this poor guy. He doesn't stand a chance. I have fallen both up and down the stairs. Not at the same time because that takes work, but... I've fallen on ice. I've fallen because of Crocs. Remember Crocs? Those stupid shoes. You wear those, you fall on air wearing Crocs. Those things are ridiculous. What's my point here? Is it that I'm clumsy? No. Well, maybe. But the point is, when we fall over or on something, we typically don't have a choice, do we? And also... (laughs) If you don't have any control over what it is you're falling over, it makes it a lot funnier for the people around you. But that's it. We, we don't have a choice when you fall into something. You fall down the stairs. You don't choose that. Love is a choice. It's not something you fall into. But this lie that Cupid has infected us with about falling in and out of love, it means that we have no self-control. Even though the Bible says we have a spirit of self-control, when you buy into this love, it says you have no self-control. 
You see, love is a decision that you make every single day. It's not something you fall in and out of. It's not like falling off of a bike. That's easy. I've done that too. Consuming love is hard. It takes work. It takes determination. Cupid's model of love, it's just too fickle for marriage. After all, the heart wants what the heart wants. Folks, I told you a few weeks ago, the heart is just a muscle that pumps blood. That's all it is. When we see that word in the Bible, it refers to, to a person's core. It's only used in figurative ways. And, and back in the Old Testament, when he used it in a figurative way, it was, it was the heart was evil. Can't be trusted. In the Hebrew language, it refers to your volition, to your will. That means that your love is an act of your will. It means that love is a choice. Love is a choice that is accompanied by emotion. Let me be extremely clear. It's a choice accompanied by emotion. Love is not led by emotion, young men and young women. It's accompanied by emotion. It's not led by it. If love is led by emotion, it's a roller coaster. And let me tell you, you are slipping and sliding and falling all over the place and you're in trouble. If you've bought the lie that, about Cupid's love, my prayer is that you'll wake up and open your eyes and you will see, you'll just shake yourself loose from that lie. It's what our world promotes as true love. That kind of love devours. It devours marriages. I've had people say to me, I'm just, I'm just not happy in my marriage relationship. Oh, you poor thing. I'm just not happy in my marriage relationship. I, I think I found someone who makes me happy. It makes me happier than the person I'm with. You know, and for the justification, as, as a Christian, God doesn't want me to be unhappy, right? If I'm not happy, God doesn't want me to be unhappy. Really? You see, the problem with this kind of thinking is love that devours looks for a way out. Love that consumes chooses to stay. Let me spin it for you this way. You think the same God who sent his son, his one and only perfect son to live in this world, and, and then the world rejected him. Okay, you think this, our God who did that, his son was beaten, was hung on a cross, was pierced with a spear, God's only son, perfect, while he was on the cross, who cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You really think that, that your happiness in the relationship that you choose to be in, most likely without any concern to him at all, or without any direction from God, you think your happiness in that relationship, that, that God doesn't want you to maybe experience some unhappiness when he's not even a part of it? You see, that's, that's the love that Cupid sets up for us. When God is not the center of your relationship, any relationship, not just marriage, your friendship, your relationship with your boss, people you work with, people you go to school with, if God is not the driving force behind that relationship, it's weak at best. Brothers and sisters, that kind of love, it devours friendships. I know you've heard them. I don't like you anymore. You hurt my feelings. I don't deserve to be treated like that. That's Cupid's love. Friendships don't last anymore because we don't love others like God loves us. Thanks to things like Facebook and other social medias, and I'm not anti-social media, I just think they have enabled us to uh, start the art of unfriending one another without any consequences. Before, back in the old days, when we had a pay phone, if you were really upset with somebody, it cost you 35 cents to call them and say, hey, we're not talking anymore. <laughs> you had to be really mad to do that. That's, that's ending a friendship. Here, we just, boop, 
I'm going to unfriend you because I disagree with what you just posted. You make too many, you put up too many baby pictures. Boop, unfriending you because you put up too many baby pictures. Of course, again, back in the old days, if you went to somebody's house, the funny thing is, you would look at the photo album and look through all their baby pictures. But now that we put them on Facebook, it's like, too many baby pictures. Click. I unfriend you because of your pictures of your baby. It's Cupid's love. It's of no interest to me. Click. I unfriend you. Makes me uncomfortable. Click. I unfriend you. We don't have to talk about it anymore. You see, consuming love versus devouring love, it is a tricky concept. God's love is consuming. It's not devouring. Look at Ephesians 5. I told you we'd get there. And now we're here. Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2. It says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. How should we love with a love that consumes rather than devours? It's simple. We walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. That sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? I can walk in love just as Christ loved me. Until you read the rest of that verse. And gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Whoa. Let's slow down there. We won't hardly give up our favorite seat at church for somebody, let alone a sacrifice give up ourselves, make ourselves uncomfortable, my, give up my preferences for someone else's needs? Yeah. Put someone else's needs before my own? Yeah. Consuming love stays. No matter what the cost, consuming love gives to others. Christ gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Consuming love, it's a fragrant love. It's fragrant to God. Love that devours is toxic. It stinks. You know, back, back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. <clears throat> verse 23 says, Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that He made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol. In the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The problem is, we've allowed devouring love to turn far too many things into idols for us. Idols don't have to be a physical thing. But that's what we've allowed. We've allowed this concept of of a, of a flippant love that comes and goes. We've allowed that concept to turn too many things into idols for us. We've made Cupid's love into an idol. And then we don't understand the, the poor guy on The Bachelor every season. He doesn't understand why he can't find true love while he's out kissing 15 different women and then explaining to us at home why each woman makes him feel alive in a different way, but he can't find true love. Poor guy. The reason that Cupid's love devours is because it doesn't understand submission. You're not going to find true love kissing everybody else in the neighborhood. It's wedding season. I love wedding season. Young people come. Will you marry us? Oh, yeah. I get five weeks of your life, sometimes six, and we go deep. But I always bring out Ephesians chapter 5, and it never fails. Men everywhere in America are like, yeah, that's right. It's the submit verses. Bring them on. 
Ephesians chapter 5. Some Christian men don't know John 3.16, but they know Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husband. You know it's true. They're like, come on, preach on, amen. Pay attention, ladies, here we go. That's what the men are thinking right now. They just won't say it because they're afraid of you. (laughs) The reality is, I need to tell you, pay attention, men. You listen closely to what I'm about to say, and you will learn the secret of consuming love for your wife or your future wife. Ephesians 5.21 starts off very simply stating the foundation for consuming love. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Did you catch it? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why submit to one another? Because he is better than me or she is better than me? No, because Christ is better than both of you. Humans are messed up people. Anytime we do something out of reverence to ourselves, it ends poorly. When we serve others out of reverence for Christ, love wins. When we put others' needs before ourselves out of reverence for Christ, we see that love is the call of the believer and love wins. Husbands and wives, when we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, we see that love is not offending. When we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, we will see that love is consuming and that love doesn't devour. Verse 22 goes on to say, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit submit to their husbands in everything. Now, I see some squirming out there, ladies. It's okay. Submission is a requirement of what God has ordained as marriage. And all the men said, Amen. Go ahead. You you guys are so scared. Cowards! (laughs) Hold on, guys. Here comes yours. Don't worry. Yeah, thank you. Scott, I'll join you in the doghouse later. We'll be all right. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wait a minute, what? Did he just say gave himself up for her? Yes, he did. That means nothing in your life trumps what your wife needs. Say amen, men. Where's that amen at now? What are you willing to sacrifice for your wife? Are you willing to show her the consuming love of Christ in you? Or are you showing her the devouring love of your favorite sports team or your hobby or your late night computer work as your actions show her that she is second best in your life? Which one are you willing to do? Men, brothers, Christ literally died for his bride, the church. That's the difference between love that consumes and love that devours. He died. Verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. We have this picture of Christ's consuming love for his bride, the church. And I, for one, I am grateful that he would love me that much. But then he puts that consuming love challenge on us men. Verse 28 says, In this same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. 
just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Here comes the best part. Verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Daddies, where are my my fathers at? Raise your hand, fathers. Fathers, daddies, the day is coming that you have to let your baby girl go. Whether you want to or not, it will happen. Mamas, where are my mamas at? Yeah, mamas, you need to let those baby boys go, and they need to love their wives the way God intended it. When that time comes, you are no longer the apple of his eye. She is. Parents, your job, it's a very simple job. Your job is to raise them in the Lord and then turn them out into the world as warriors and representatives of Jesus Christ. That's your job. You let them go. And I'm going to make it easy on you. I'm going to give you some spoiler alerts, parents, because this always seems to be an issue as I'm doing some counseling. Yes, they're going to miss Thanksgiving or Christmas from time to time. It will happen. Well, they haven't missed a Thanksgiving in 20 years. Yeah, because they were living in your house. It is time for them to leave and cleave. They are leaving you. It doesn't mean they hate you. It means they're just going to start something new. I think personally that all newlyweds should spend the first two Christmases and Thanksgivings at their own house with each other, practicing the art of leaving and cleaving and starting their own traditions. Yes, they may forget to call you on your birthday, Mom, but it's okay. They, they may forget to send a card, but it's okay. If they remember each other's anniversary and each other's birthday, if they live out the consuming love of Christ in their marriage by submitting to one another, you have done your God-ordained job of raising godly children and they will pick up where you left off, honoring God in their lives and being a reflection of Him in their families and to one another. Well done, mom and dad. That's your job. Now, let me bring this full circle because I don't want to leave anybody out. I've talked about moms and dads and kids, and, but I'm, I'm going to bring this full circle because it's not just about marriage and husbands and wives here. Look at verse 32. Verse 32. This is a profound mystery. I think it's funny because he's talked about like marriage and stuff and then said this is a profound mystery. <laughs> but he brings it full circle. But I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Folks, sometimes in the church there's too much Cupid love in the relationships we have with one another. It happens here in Christ's church. Too many opportunities for love to devour the church rather than for love to consume the church the way that God intended. And it's time for us to begin to submit to one another and to work together to serve this community with a consuming love of Christ, not the self-centered, devouring love that our world tries to give off to us. I don't know. I don't know how you've lived your life. Maybe you've lived your life with a devouring love. Maybe that was just how things were growing up. Maybe that devouring love has left a wake of destruction and hurt in your path. Maybe you've just never understood how to live with the consuming love of God in your life, and, but you're ready to start over. You're ready to submit your life to God and to make Him first in your life out of reverence for Christ. Maybe today is the day that, that you're ready to submit to Jesus Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Begin growing and living with Christ as the foundation in your life. The baptistry is ready. Maybe you're already a Christian, but you've realized that, that you've allowed Cupid's ideals of love to creep into your understanding of life. And now it's just, it's time to repent. 
It's time to get rid of that way of thinking, to start fresh. Maybe you just need, need some prayer, a moment of encouragement with one of the elders. They're here. We've got a private place. You can go and talk with them and pray. Whatever it is, as we're at this response time, we've heard the word of God. How we should treat our families, how we should treat one another. Time is to respond. The time for response is now. Will you continue to, to live with a devouring love in your life? Or allow the consuming love of God to be evident in who you are every day? Will you stand and sing with us and choose how you'll respond to God's word today?